Hi everyone, my name is Lauren Hawker Zaffer and this is Redefining AI, a tech podcast that focuses on key narratives that drive digital innovation and help people understand artificial intelligence, machine learning, insight engines, and the insight era. In this episode, I've been joined by Malcolm Hawker. Malcolm is the head of data strategy at Profacy, a contributing writer at Forbes and a former senior Gartner analyst. Now today's session, it's called, what is the difference between the insight engine and master data management? And it is a title that indicates the direction that we do intend to go today with our guest and data expert, Malcolm. So Malcolm, it's really lovely to have you here. Welcome to Redefining AI. Thanks so much, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's hear a little bit about you, Malcolm. Oh, gosh. Well, you captured a bit of it in, in the intro. Um, I'm a former Gartner Data and Analytics Analyst. So my name appears on the last three MDM Magic Quadrant documents. Uh, contributed to a number of other research pieces while at Gartner. Uh, my, my time at Gartner ended uh, in April, and I was there almost three years. So in that time, uh, I tracked over 1,500 conversations with companies, probably over 2,000 data and analytics leaders uh, during that time in, in those conversations. So I've got a pretty good sense for, for what I think works, what doesn't work, uh, the direction of data management, the direction of, of MDM, uh, certainly depth of knowledge in and around governance. Uh, prior to joining uh, Gartner, I, I was with a little data provider called Dun & Bradstreet, a fairly well-known uh, provider in the space. And really, my focus there was was, was as, a, as a data evangelist. I was out uh, literally uh, touring uh, companies located around the globe um, and, and extolling the virtues of, of, of MDM and master data and the use of a third-party data provider to, to fuel and support uh, MDM use cases. I've been a consultant. I have been a uh, IT leader. I ran an IT organization of a two billion uh, dollar publicly traded company uh, here in the in the U.S. Um, so I've been a seller, uh, I've been a buyer, I've been a consultant uh, in the last twenty five, probably actually closer to thirty, as, as scary as that sounds. Uh, years uh, I've seen it all from a data and analytics perspective. So um, looking forward to the conversation today. Okay, so you seem to have worn many guises and hats and been involved in, in different sort of areas of the whole space of data management and, as you've mentioned, data governance. In, in, indeed. Uh, I actually started my career more on the product side of the house. I, I was on a product management track. I, I actually I was the chief product officer with a small uh, software startup uh, based out of Austin, Texas, that was doing project management uh, uh, software. And, and it's, it's interesting now that I'm in the data space and have been for, for 20 plus years that there's a lot of talk in the data space around data a, a, as a product because I come from a, a product background. And, and it's interesting to hear some of the conversations of these, these you know, maybe revolutionary perspectives of, of treating data as a product. And, and I'm like, I've kind of always thought it was a product because I come from a product background. I mean, you're building solutions, you're building things, whether that is a software, piece of software or whether that's a report and whether that's a model, you're doing it through the lens of meeting a user need and using a buyer or a customer need, right? So, so I've always kind of looked at, 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 at data 
um, or anything for that matter that, that I've been involved in building or creating or defining or architecting it as a, as a product, because I think it makes sense for us all to, to look at what we do through the lens of a product, whether that is, you know, a, a data product or whether that is a, a, a you know, super packaged good or whether that is, is something you do, you do day in and day out. Maybe you're a project manager and you're building a schedule. Well, that's a product, right? So, um, seeing some interesting overlaps in, now and in, in what was kind of old is, is now new again from the, from the data as a product perspective. But but yeah, I certainly come at my knowledge base, I, I think rather honestly. I've, I've, I've been an analyst, but I haven't only been an analyst. I've been a software buyer, but I haven't only been a software buyer. I've been a consultant, but, but I haven't only been a consultant. So um, I, I've seen it from a multiple, seen these issues from a multiple of, uh, of angles. Yeah, it's definitely a relatable angle. And I think that obviously today we're going to be talking about all things data. Um, and before we set off, I think it is important to narrow down the scope of what we're looking at and where, if anywhere, we can really draw a parameter. And yep. as, as you've mentioned, I mean, you've just taken it from the angle of data as a product and everyone's talking about data. They're talking about data fabric, data mesh, data integration, data orchestration and data activation. In your opinion, Malcolm, what are the differences and if any overlaps and where does master data management fit into this whole data mandala? Oh boy. Oh mandala. What a wonderful world for <laughs> to describe it. Because the minute you said that, I I I, I had this vision of you know, these Zen Buddhists creating this unbelievable um uh, painting in sand and then destroying it all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be like the Zen thing to do, right? Then start all over again. And there's interesting metaphors there, maybe in the data world, because because we certainly seem to have a kind of this <clears throat> habit of of recycling things and and renaming things and repackaging things, mm -hmm. and I think we're certainly seeing that a little bit um, uh, now. I mean, when, when your when your product is data, or when your product is insights, or when your product is analysis, I think I think there's an or when your product is is supporting things that really don't change that much. I think there's a natural tendency to want to repackage things and, and call things different names in order to create demand. Um, uh, and, and I think that that's maybe a, a portion of what we're seeing in, in both the, the data mesh and the, the, and the data fabric, particularly, I think, more so on the data mesh side. Probably a different podcast to go into the kind of deep diving into, into like how to define a data mesh and how to define a data fabric. Um, but with, to the question of what, you know, kind of where does MDM fit, uh, you know, I, I believe MDM, Master Data Management, as a discipline, sits at, sits at the foundation of, 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 of a data architecture. It sits at the foundation of all of your, your operating models and supporting data management, right? So there are people who believe that you know, a single source of truth is, is, is unattainable, but I, I actually disagree. Um, I, you know, a single source uh, of truth um, with different versions. I think that you can actually have different versions. So <clears throat> I, I wouldn't say that a single version of the truth is, is very accurate anymore because you can have use case centric versions of the truth. We know this. This has always been intuitively true, right? The, the, the version of the truth for, for marketing is different than the version of the truth for, 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 for accounting and finance or compliance. But MDM literally sits as a foundational element sitting underneath any data management architecture, whether that is a data fabric architecture, whether that is a data mesh architecture, um, and, and the ability to apply consistent business rules to shared data, 
I stress the importance of, of the word shared because that's really where MDM lives and breathes. Data that needs to be shared widely across the organization and have consistent definitions, consistent, consistent structure, consistent quality, consistent governance. That's what MDM really, really does. It enables widespread sharing of data because at certain levels of the organization, natural differences that exist at an operating level need to go away. Meaning, I was bringing this this notion of you know the version of the truth for marketing may be different than the version of the truth for finance or compliance. That's true at an operating level, right? If, if you are sending an invoice or if you are shipping some goods, that's what I mean at an operating level. But at a higher level of the organization, at a C level, a lot of those differences need to go away because if your C level person asks, you know, how many customers do we have, there can only be really one answer. You're not going to say. Well, CEO, what do you mean by customer? How do you, Mr. and Mrs. CEO, how do you define customer? That's not a conversation you want to have. <laughs> Trust me, I've tried it. It doesn't work very well. Um, so, so MDM helps dissolve those differences and, and allow for widespread sharing of data through the creation of shared people, processing technology in the, in the management of data. Okay, yeah. So this enablement of really in, interconnected data and processes Yep. On a basis of, of widely shared data. Yep. Um, so at the start of uh, conversations normally on Redefine and AI, we like to do sort of a quick fire contextualization round with okay. other guests. And this is an opportunity because sometimes when we ask guests or, you know, we're talking in conversation about definitions, it's quite difficult to maybe narrow it down to one sentence or a couple of sentences. So we like to give a little bit of a challenge and the challenge would be that I want you to define these things in, in just one sentence if you can. So they all pertain to your expertise and your knowledge in, in MDM. Um, so the start of this sentence is the definition of MDM is. The people, processes and technology needed to enable widespread sharing of data across an enterprise. Okay. MDM is not. The data, the management of data within a specific application, system, or process. Interesting. MDM gets mixed up with? BI and analytics, data integration, data quality, and data science. <laughs> <laughs> and MDM is the key to? Widespread sharing of data and and, and the realization of business value through data management. Interesting, I like that one. Um, the last one, mainstream adoption for MDM is? On the upswing, but still lagging. Okay, so if you say that it's on the upstream, but it's still lacking, I mean, you've been in the realm of master data management for a long time now. I think at yep. the start, obviously, you've mentioned coming up 30 years. Oh, boy. A long time, yeah. Um, so what lenses are you seeing MDM through at the moment? Well, the reason why I say that it is still lagging um, is because I really feel that it is lagging in its ability to deliver the, the potential value, the value that I know is there because I've seen companies leverage the value of MDM. Mm -hmm. So when I was a Gartner, we had uh, we did a magic quadrant a couple of years ago, where as a part of that, we had done a, a user survey that showed 
that NDM, at least as a discipline, was still highly compartmentalized within most organizations, meaning there was MDM happening within a specific application or a specific system, which I said actually isn't MDM, hey, when you ask any questions, but, but we knew that MDM itself was highly siloed within an organization, meaning it would happen in one department, or one system, or one application, uh, upwards of, of nearly 50% of the time, right? So that, that, that is the indicator that MDM as an enterprise-wide way of managing data is most certainly most companies are not using MDM enterprise-wide. It, is, it happens sparingly to solve for specific use cases. And, and actually, that's okay, uh, because, because I would recommend uh, that companies going to start slowly, right, and, and start with a specific use case or a specific business problem, or uh, I shudder to say a specific domain, because uh, I don't recommend domain-centric approaches to MDM, generally. Um, because it's harder to track the value, but it's okay to start small and grow over time. But I just know, given the data, given my experience and my conversations, that MDM has a ton of room to grow within most very, very large organizations. That's why I say it's lagging, but it is most certainly on the upswing. And the reason why it's on the upswing is because of the focus on digital transformation. Companies see now uh, that, that MDM is a must-have, not a nice-to-have. That's something I actually wrote to quote of mine from, uh, from a recent Magic Water document. Okay. I mean, obviously at Squirrel as well, we focus on it, one of the, the sort of core problems around data is this whole siloedness of data. Yep. Um, and our key focus is obviously unstructured data. And you mentioned the sort of challenge of the, the data silos. Is that yeah. the biggest challenge? Because obviously you've highlighted there is a certain complexity aligned with with carrying out, you know, this whole master data management and you don't recommend starting small. Is siloed data the main problem? Or what are the other ones that are really blocking this progression? Siloed data is not a problem. If that, if that architecture supports your business strategy. But uh, with the exception of a handful of extremely large holding companies, and I will just use the phrase holding company, where by design, they are highly, highly decentralized. And at that holding company level, they actually want silos to be present because maybe you own a railroad and maybe you own a company that makes pizza. And there's very little overlap between a railroad and a pizza company, and you want them to operate differently. Well, then silos make sense. And if that's your business strategy, then you could have as many silos as you want because it totally supports it supports your business strategy. But silos for most organizations, at least at a master data level, meaning things like customers, products, locations, assets, employees, that data that needs to be widely shared. Uh, having data silos uh, is a real problem because it, because it significantly hinders uh, scale and it significantly hinders uh, operating efficiencies utilizing that that data. So yes, data silos is, is a problem, but but I would argue really the root here data silo is is really in, in many ways a symptom. The, the underlying disease is I, I would argue generally a lack of data governance. Uh, which it, which is also a, it, itself a symptom of, of a lack of, shall we say, kind of organizational fortitude <laughs> when, when, when it comes to uh, executing on anything that requires a broad horizontal focus within the organization, right? Where you have to break silence, where you have to look at things horizontally. I would argue for a lot of organizations that's a huge challenge. It requires a focus 
uh, from a strategy level. It requires really looking at data as a strategic asset. I would argue it, it requires some focus of, of data as its own organization, maybe with its chief data officer. So, so yes, silos are a problem. Governance is, is, a, is, is another massive problem. Uh, but, but often the kind of the root of the problem is, is poor organizational structure, lack of focus of our organization perspective, lack of strategy around data as an asset. A lot of companies use that as, as, as provided a lot of lip service here. They'll say that, that, that oh, yes, well, we care about our data, data as an asset, but they don't manage it that way. And they don't invest in data management. So, um, silos is certainly, certainly a problem, but there are other things that are going on as well. But you also see, I mean, there's an upcoming trend. I mean, I think there's, there's recent statistics that show that in the last couple of months or the last year, there's been an ever surging increase in the desire for chief data officers. Indeed. So there seems to be definitely an interest in obviously ensuring that there is this governance, um, especially across this horizontal level that you've mentioned. Do you think it pertains to, obviously, we've been talking a lot about larger organizations. What about smaller organizations? Yeah, I'm seeing more and more focus on uh, kind of data as an asset, uh, uh, standing up a, a, a data organization uh, within smaller and smaller companies. I just actually returned from the Gartner Data Analytics Summit in, in Orlando last week, and I was struck by the number of conversations I was having with relative to small companies. And by small, I would say, you know, 100 million, 200 million, 300 million. Ten years ago, I wouldn't have had this conversation. They, they wouldn't have been talking about better data management. They wouldn't have been talking about data quality and MDM and data integration 10 years ago because everything was fine 10 years ago. They, had, they hadn't kind of hit some of the kind of the barriers that the companies inevitably hit with a lack of data management. So I actually do see more and more and more focus on relatively small. And, and, and what I mean by small, again, is the sub, you know, sub $500 million companies that are focused on some of these solutions because, again, it comes back to digital transformation. What, what we see over and over and over again is these companies want to have better customer experience. They want to optimize their supply chains. They want to, you know, automate some of their customer support processes. Whatever, whatever those, those use cases are, the list of them is, is long. But even these relatively small companies are trying to do these things. They're embarking on these business strategies. And then they find out, wow, we can't do this because our data is a mess, right? I don't. I don't know how many customers we have because our data, our customer data is is, is really, really siloed and, and, and on and on. So I am seeing more of a focus on, on this at relatively small companies. So this, this is why another reason why um, I, I think that MDM is still kind of lagging because I know that it can be used to drive specific business value with with, with companies um, historically what were too were considered too small for it. Mm -hmm. And obviously in conversation, not only with, you've just given us an example of a smaller organization, larger organizations, yeah. you surely must have noticed maybe an ignorance, you know, and maybe an organization thinking that they are governing their data well, and then you've identified, well, actually, that's an obvious ignorance. Can you give us examples of any of these ignorances where you see that people are not able to identify a lack of optimal governance. Well, I really, I, I think that's one way that you could express it. Um, I, I really think that for most smaller companies, it just comes down to a matter of priority, mm -hmm. right? Like, like if given the choice of driving what appears to be a dollar of revenue or a euro of revenue um, or a pound of revenue, whatever, uh, pick your unit of choice. 
Uh, when it comes to driving a unit of revenue versus a unit of cost savings, they will almost always choose the revenue. And for a lot of those, I guess where the ignorance does come into play is that for a lot of these companies, they, they don't see the overlap between how better data can actually drive top line. Right. And, but that's what I'm seeing. That's where I'm seeing some change. Right. And I think this is partially as a result of an increased focus on chief data officers or for people that hold those types of roles. Meaning, uh, Gartner produced a, a metric last year as a part of their sixth annual CDO survey that said upwards of 25% of uh, digital transformation initiatives were being driven and owned by chief data officers. Right. That means that people historically who have been very data centric, who've been kind of looking at data at, through the lens of operating efficiencies and are now actually responsible for driving revenue and figuring out how to use data to do that. So I think that there is a shift happening. I think that shift is a, is a focus of, 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 you know, business strategies on digital transformation. It's a, it's a, it's a function of more and more CDOs involved to, to your point. Where a lot of the kind of the ignorance of the past where you would view data only as a, you know, optimizing data management only as a way to drive cost savings. I, I think you're seeing more and more businesses understanding that yes, you actually can drive top line revenue through better data management, right? And the classic example here, here that I always would give to, to, to most of my clients who, who really were, were challenging me around this notion of business enablement by, through better data was Cross-sell and upsell. That, 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 that's an easy one, right? If you can, if you can drive or create one more sales qualified lead through better data management, maybe that's by exposing a customer data hierarchy that you didn't expose before. Maybe that's by showing where company A is buying product A, but they're not buying product B, and you didn't know it before because that company was named two different things, but it was the same entity. If you can highlight that, 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 that sales opportunity, well, boom, there, there's the revenue. And yeah, that's a function of better data management. So I, I think a lot of the, 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 you know, perceived potential ignorance of the past, we're starting to see more and more and more focus of data as a business enabler instead of simply just a cost item or an expense item. And, and, and that's what's really driving the shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember as well listening to, to another conversation that you had. Um, you mentioned and you said that the future of MDM is bright and that it, it has to be. Yes. <laughs> um, and if we bring technology into the equation or, or, or the picture, what types of technology provide optimism to help keep yep. the future bright? Yep. So here's where we can dovetail into the notion of AI. And, 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 and what many, including myself as a previous analyst, would have called augmented data management. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, the future of MDM is bright <laughs> because it has to be. Uh, that's a little pithy. I, I, I get it. But uh, in, in a world where we are widely sharing data, right, we, we know that data sharing enables scale, right? And whether that sharing happens within one company or even within one department, right? We, we know that widespread sharing of data enables scale, right? That, that is that it creates network effects that simply don't exist if you're not sharing that data. This is true whether you're printing out a physical report of somebody from one department and you're handing it to somebody else in a different department. That's a sharing of data, right? And so if that, if, if that is true within a single department or division or an application, 
It's also true when you look across companies, right? So company A and company B, look at everything that's happening these days around global supply chains. Look at everything that's happening around these interdependencies from an energy perspective, particularly in, in Europe, right? So the list of potential use cases here is incredibly long, where I would argue that highly siloed data and highly siloed insights is limiting your ability to scale. And in many places, it's actually creating business risk. Mm -hmm. And in the case of, of energy in Europe right now, it's actually creating national risk and national security risks. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I would argue that the more data that we are sharing on these things, right, whether that is supply chain related data, whether that is customer data, of course, it has to be done in, in an ethical way. It has to be done in, in, in a regulatory compliant way. I'm not talking about just going and, and sharing data and, and shotgunning and spraying your data, your customer data that includes PII all over the place. Of course not. This yeah. has to be done within within regulatory frameworks, uh, often that exist at, at an even national or country-specific level. But we know that sharing of data enables scale, right? So it enables flexibility. It enables adaptability. It enables better forecasting. It enables, enables better modeling uh, of the data because the more data that you have to, to feed into the model, in theory, but the more accurate it's going to be. So if you view MDM as a critical enabler of sharing, which I do, um, and we can talk a little bit more about that, particularly sharing beyond your four walls of an individual company, well, then this is why the future of MDM is bright, and it has to be bright. In a globalized world where we have interconnected supply chains and interconnected nations and interconnected consumer demands and experiences, well, we'll then to optimize those, those is going to require some form of, of more widespread sharing that exists today. This is, this is why I believe the future is very, very bright. Uh, but technologies will play inevitably play a massive role here because uh, you know the, the, the historical knock on MDM was that it was very rigid. It required, it required very specific rules. Uh, very human-driven when it came to the perspective of data, particularly data stewardship and, and, and some human reviews of data. And those things, I, I suspect, in the short term will remain true, right? You, 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 the, the algorithms are only so smart in, in the, you know, from the perspective of what we call entity resolution. Yeah. Acme, Acme Incorporated, Acme and Sun, is that one thing or is that three things? Increasingly, the algorithms are pretty smart and can be actually even trained um, based on input from humans, but there's still a human element there. So, so, so the technologies will have to improve in order to enable that scale. Uh, the, the technologies will certainly have to improve because there's more data than there ever has been before. I know that sounds you know, kind of trite, uh, but it's true, right? Particularly if you start looking at sharing the data you know, across uh, corporate boundaries, it's going to be more and more and more data. This is where AI and ML could most certainly play a very, very important role here uh, in helping uh, you know, understand relationships that would naturally exist within data, helping understand uh, how to profile the data and, 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 and lineage the data, and, and helping build common data models that may need to exist to facilitate at a physical level that sharing of data from company A to company B. So technology is going to play a, a critical role here. But I would argue, like right now, I would say that the technology typically kind of exceeds the governance maturity of most of the organizations using it. So, <clears throat> meaning the, the AI and ML capabilities of a lot of the platforms out there are really, really phenomenal. And, 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 and for a lot of the organizations, their governance models are, are lagging. Right? Me, me, meaning 
you could use a, you could conceivably use some form of, of ML uh, to train uh, better, to create models to, to, to create better matching, for example. But do you have the underlying governance model there in order to facilitate that? Do you even have a consistent customer definition today? Right? I, I think it's a little unfeasible to just assume that you could go from, from a governance maturity of a zero or a one. So mm -hmm. typically the maturity framework's almost the same as zero to five, whether it's a Gartner's framework or any other art consultancy. But if you're at a zero or one or a two and you go buy technology that's running at a four or a five, well, that's a gap. Right, and, and and just turning on the technology is not automatically going to bring bring up your governance maturity. Like if, if if you don't have the rules defined, right? If you don't have a governance committee, if you don't have the people and processes in place to to, to understand the value of governance or to, to operationalize data governance within your organization, simply having the technology in place is is not going to do much. It's a Ferrari yeah. sitting in a garage. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting point. I think it pertains or falls back to the whole. Um, argument or the fundament around the importance as you mentioned at the start the augmentation to the human and the human necessity to contribute to that governance i asked you the question because um i think that in terms of sort of master data management there is an opportunity with the related capabilities of the insight engine around integration processing and as you've mentioned ai especially in the unstructured data space. Um, is it something that where you can see as well, a synergy with technology strengthen, strengthening each other? A a absolutely. So, so you, you had asked about that very early on, and I, did, I didn't address it, not because I was avoiding the question, um, just because I started on a rant, and I'm, I'm a text analyst, sometimes you think I paid by the word. Um, but yes, absolutely, I can see MDM and Insight Engine sitting right next to each other. Right, where particularly if those insight engines are doing interesting things like maybe running graphs or, or applying other more advanced data management uh, capabilities to data to allow for things like for providing insights around relationships, for example. So when when I was a Gartner analyst, I, I wrote a, a research note that, that talked about this paradox that exists when when there is an incentive to try to bring a lot of data into an MDM hub, right? Meaning, oh, well, I could I could run some graphs in my MDM hub and then I could understand the complex relationships that exist within data. Well, to do that, there's an overhead, right? If, if you're going to manage and persist and maintain data in an MDM hub, there is a governance overhead to that, right? Uh, we have long argued, and I would argue, that, that MDM is, is inherently kind of an MVP type process or an MVP, minimum viable data, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, what is the true shared data within the organization? The way I visualized it for my own clients was a three-ring Venn diagram. One, two, three rings. Middle of that of that ring is, is the master data. It, it, is, it is the data that needs consistent structure, governance, quality, and on and on. But there are insights that exist outside of that middle ring, outside of that overlap, right? There are, there are, there are insights that exist within transactional data, for example, like mm -hmm. web logs. Like take, take a web log, for example, like what, what people are clicking on and what they're not clicking on. There are insights that exist there that could inform your master data, right? So could you use an insight engine? Could you use some other advanced analytical tool? outside of an MDM hub to inform how you manage master data? The answer is 
answer is absolutely yes, you can. And I would argue you should, right? Because maybe you could learn things about a relationship in the data that you didn't know about that is highly relevant. Yeah, like a great example is, is, is like a household, right? Uh, where you where you find a relationship between people who are related, maybe at a family level or a household level, that you would never have known of. You were just kind of looking at data individually, right? In my house, we, we have a kind of a modern family with there are people with three different names <laughs> in my house, but but we're family related and we're household related. Could you run an inside engineer or something else to understand some of the complex relationships and then start potentially managing those relationships in, in an NBM hub? Yes, you could. Yeah, it's definitely this knowledge organization, like making the semantical explicit that's yes. common that people are talking about. Um, we ourselves as well are focusing quite heavily on the, the investment into knowledge graphs and the importance of those as well. And so I certainly agree um, in that sense that there is an opportunity to really understand the semantical or the relationships within um, the data. Yeah, and graph is just one way to do it. I, I was just throwing that out there yeah. as, as one as, as one example, but um, you know, there is most certainly a need to um, wrangle <laughs> for, for a very technical word, wrangle uh, unstructured data outside of an MDM in a way that is scalable and flexible and you know extensible, um, because MDMs historically you know, not been very, very good at that because typically they're running on more relational forms of data because you need the structure, because you need the quality, because you need those governance rules applied in a specific way that doesn't lend itself as well in, in, a, in an unstructured data world. So I kind of look at this more like a like kind of a waterfall, you know, like back in the old school and kind of waterfall requirements, I could actually look at this through data management through type of waterfall where it's okay, can you apply an early, some, some sort of filter on unstructured data to help you better understand, okay, what is this? What are some of the relationships with this? What are some of the semantics of the data? How is it defined here? How is it defined here? Can I use some of those insights to take a deeper dive potentially or, or a different way of managing that data within an MDM hub? I think you absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Um, you've obviously spoke as well in in that alignment with like data and IT practitioners. Yeah. Um, what what's their priorities in terms with in terms of dealing with structured and unstructured data, and what sort of trends are you seeing here? Yeah, yeah it's 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 a it's a great question, and um, you know obviously you know, IT practitioners have been dealing with unstructured data a long time through the lens of analytics, right? Um, and, and the ability to kind of, you know, this is, this is what leads to these conversations of data swamps and data lakes and data warehouses and what lives where and known knowns and unknown knowns. And, 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 you know, through the lens of analytics, you know, the IT people have, have been dealing with, lack of a better word, figuring out how to kind of optimize and solve for structured versus unstructured and the best way to manage that data to enable analytics. But, where I'm seeing things is really on operational use of that data, which is where MDM lives and breathes. Me- meaning, can I create an actual customer record, a master record, and then use that within operational systems? And it's that, to me, it's that overlap of what are some of the insights from an analytical perspective that I could, through that unstructured data, that I could use to improve my operating, how I operate. Right, like so, can I can I drive some of those insights that would be analytical in nature, but then actually take the next step 
step and, and jump into the operational realm, which is, okay, can, can I then push that information into a CRM or into a digital marketing platform or into a customer service platform or, or you name it, where that data is being used to make decisions and, and, and fuel operational uh, uh, you know, workflows and, and business processes. So I think a great example of this is, is in the realm of CDP's customer data platforms, where, where you're seeing some of the overlap there where you know, there's a lot of unstructured data that lives within a marketing world or within you know customer support world or service world. And marketing organizations are trying to figure out how to make operational decisions based on that, that insight, right? Like, so what ad do I serve? Or what offer do I give somebody? Or what funnel do I put them in from a, from a sales perspective? So it's really where, you know, where the, the unstructured meets structure is, it's, it's where kind of the analytics meets operations where the overlaps exist. And, and I would argue that that is a, that is a, a, a perfect fit for where NDM should, should most certainly live and breathe. Hmm. Yeah, I also see an opportunity as well. Like on top of that, you've got the whole insights opportunity of bringing it out from from the, the sort of package that you're preparing through right. master data management. Yep. Um, we're going to run out of time soon, which is a shame. So I want to ask you one last question. What entices you to live in a world of MDM? <laughs> and uh, what do you enjoy about yeah. it? Um, what what entices me and what entices me from the very beginning was this notion of something sounding incredibly easy, right? Which is how many customers do I have? That seems that seems like a really simple question, right? Or how many products do we have? How many employees do we have? These seem like very, very easy questions to answer. However, for most very large companies, particularly on the customer side, for very large companies, those are really, really difficult questions to answer. So there's something about my personality, something about my psyche that is that is that is attracted um, to this notion of something sounding simple but really being very, very hard. Um, because for a lot of people, uh, when they see that and when they start to kind of learn more and more about data management and MDM and some of the, the, the things that, that you know, uh, we see every day within the data governance space, for a lot of people, they would look at that and say, oh, gee, that, that sounds awfully complicated. I don't really want to deal with that because it involves people, it involves processes, it involves technology, it's got, it's got a lot of tentacles to it, and I'd rather just avoid it. For me, whatever some odd thing is in my brain is I want to run to it. <laughs> and I want to help figure it out. So that's what I find. That's what I find fascinating here: is this, this paradox between the, the, the seemingly very, very simple, but actually, in, in reality, very, very difficult. And that's what draws me to, to, to MDM. That's what draws me to the data management space, and keeps and keeps me coming back because it's getting harder. It's not getting any easier. It's only getting harder. So for people like myself and companies like Squirrel and, and, and others that are in this space, tons of opportunities. Yeah, excellent. I mean, you're certainly, um, you've, you've proven anyways that you're um, consistently um, engaged in the field and you're obviously very passionate about it. Um, you've passionately contributed to our conversation today, Malcolm, and I thank you for that. Um, I'm sure that everyone has learnt just as much as I have and enjoyed the conversation as much as I have. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren. It's been, uh, been my joy to be here and I look forward to having more conversations in the future. Perfect. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening as well. Um, it's been insightful and if you want to learn more about AI, machine learning and search, 
then come and take one of our free courses at learn.squirrel.com.